of a Yahweh, the opportunity again, rising in this new day, Father, that you bring your thoughts to my mind, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, you stir things in me through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for the opportunity to be your conduit, to go into your treasury again and to take from your shelves these precious gems and the minerals and this treasure that you provide and allow me to come in and take and share. Thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Aman. Paraklitos, Aman. So I've shared with you before, share with you again for some that might have missed it, and I don't, you know, I yeah, might get repetitive for some, but keep in mind that there are some out there that have not heard what I've shared, and and I speak to being able to do this as a treasure because these, the scriptures that God has shared with us through the Bible, our guidebook, our roadmap, our instruction book, all those things. Of course, like just just now clicked on that, I'm speaking in the form of threes and. Of course, you have the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But relative to that, relative to the Bible being that our, our guidebook, our roadmap, and our instruction book, three in one that it guides us. We, we learn about God. We hear about God. We know of God, but then as is with uh, many appliances and things that you get that are um, technical in nature. You have quick start books. You have those things that get you going and can get you started, but it's not the in-depth knowledge. It's just uh, knowing about it so you can get a start. Um, but it's not knowing... So the knowledge comes from the instruction manual that gives you in-depth knowledge about that thing we're talking about. It could be uh, it could be this iPad that um, I noticed that the book inside. I, I've never had one before, so I didn't know. I mean. And God allowed this as a tool to be used for just that. Um, but there's a guidebook, a quick start. And then there's the instruction manual when you go in depth. And then, of course, they have, uh, you don't have the books like you used to. Now everything's on video and everything's online, and <laughs> which is really kind of silly because you need to know how to do this stuff before you can even get into the classes and, and they don't provide that. So you have to find somebody or you have to learn how to do it. The point being is that the Bible and the Word of God are three forms that he's taking us through this plane of existence that we're on to help us make sure that we get home. 
when I was out there on that 18 wood, there were some times where I got on some roads and I was a little nervous and getting lost and having to get that thing around, but I wound up doing it for nigh on 25 years, part of the border coast to coast, and I got out there in places I'd, I'd never been before. And as I got more comfortable and learned how to do this and uh, gained more knowledge, and then that knowledge turned to wisdom, which is... Uh, just so you know that wisdom is a collection of knowledge, knowing how to apply it and utilize that thing that you've learned or been taught. And it's the same thing that we find in the Bible. Um, it's also the same thing that Satan likes to use against us. Uh, there are many places in the Bible, Jesus himself tells us that we must engage ourselves to be of a sound mind and like-minded and be in prayer, and there's always seems to be this attack on the mind. I've shared this with you before. That's because the devil knows that that is the weakest link. It doesn't matter what your intellectual prowess is or what you think it may be. You might think that you're this really smart guy, and then you get shown up or shown out by someone that you didn't think was so smart. And um, it happens. It happens. Um, but here's the thing. Our minds are constantly... Spinning, even when we think that we're down for the day or down for the night or, or out, uh, and I find myself in this position, your mind is spinning. And it's not always a good thing. I have one of my mentors shared this. I want to make sure I, I get this right. I got to kind of think about it a minute, make sure I get it right. Um, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, just reverse it. And the way that you do that is through prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to intercede with us. But the point to that is that a lot of times you have a situation and you get really agitated with it and you curse that it happened. Doggone it, you know, this and that. And the new boss and the new this and the new that. And man, this and that and this and that. So now you curse it. And then you're nursing this attitude. But man, it maybe took me from my job. I, I, I had that position. I had that, that section. It was all lined up. And I had everything done over there. And then took me out of there and sent me over to do this and put me into a new spot Oh, God, and then you're griping about the fact that you got moved out of a very comfortable place that you were at. Grumble, grumble, gripe, gripe, grumble, grumble, gripe, gripe. And then you rehearse what you would have said, should have said, and if they come and try to do that again, what you will say. So now you're going to rehearse your reaction to something that hasn't even taken place. And you repeatedly rehearsing what had already taken place. Instead of prayerfully going into that 
new position. And then all of a sudden, within just a very short period of time, they come up to tap you into the office again and you're getting ready to blossom. And then they said, you know, we moved you over here because we've been watching you for a while and we like what you're about. We like your ingenuity. We like your integrity. We like, this is why we're promoting you. Oh my goodness. Did that powder bomb, that glitter bomb, that whatever, just blow up in your face? You were getting ready. You were going to let him have it because you had festered and festered and nursed and nursed and rehearsed what you were going to have. And now, hey, you can't let it happen because they moved you because they wanted to promote you. But that white noise interference came at you. And it was buzzing in your brain like a whole bunch of black flies. You ever been in a state that has those? There's certain places when you get a lot of water around and, and certain times of the year um, and different places, people call them different things. Some people call them deer flies. Some people call them black flies. It, there's a, it depends where you're at, but it, they, they're really annoying when you get out there in the wilderness for a while. This is why you gotta, you have to know how to do things. Certain plants will keep them away and so forth and so on. And you get out there, but they, the, Probably the most annoying thing is that they'll get on your ear. You'll get two or three of them in there and they're carrying on some kind of a card game or some sort of a conversation or a big meeting that they're having, a powwow, and they change from one ear to the other and they just sit in there and they... And you hear this constantly all day long until you can focus them out. <laughs> Very annoying. But this is how... The devil attacks that white noise interference is trying to take your focus from what it should be and get you to think too far out where you don't belong and get you agitated and rattled up and get your mindset on certain things that are going on and happening. But we have scriptures that talk about that. And, and Jesus talked about Mindset, Peter talks about it. Peter, wow. Peter evolved into this very powerful, as Jesus called him, the cornerstone. He and Andrew, one of the first disciples, not deep, but one of the first. And Jesus called him the cornerstone. Called him that because he knew that there was something in Peter that was going to be beneficial. Some people looked at it in a negative way, which people tend to do. Just like David, they always look at the negativity. Well, how could he be such and such and such and such because he did this and he did that? Well, yeah, well, he also received God's judgment for that. But God still called him his friend and still called him a man after my own heart because God saw in him something that others couldn't see in it. And then while they were busy looking on their plane of existence and on their person, with their perception, they didn't see anything else because they were too wrapped up in what they saw. And they decided that their valuation was more important. Nope. But that white noise interference gets you to think too far out. And this is the problem that we have. God gave us a capability, but Satan likes to twist it and turn it around and, and to darken things. But remember, 
and Romans 8, we are told all things work together for good for them that love the Lord. So we resist that white noise interference. But Jesus talked about thinking on things. Peter talked about setting your mind on those things that are righteous and good. And also talked about meditating on the Lord. And he told us that. He told us that very thing. You have to meditate on the word of God. Meditate on God. Focus on God. Get your thought process in the right direction. Peter talked to us about the same thing. But in Paul writes to us in Philippians 4. And this has to do with the thought process. And he tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So, and I've shared this with you before. It's important. So, if we get so wrapped up and allowing our happiness to be revolving around our happenings or allow the happiness to or their happenings to control our happiness that all has to do with a thought process and i've had individuals that i've heard that are claimed to be christian and they complain about their joy being gone or robbed. Well, knowing and having been warned by the word of God and our Lord Jesus about the thief who comes to scatter, rob, steal, and destroy has nothing good for us except to do that. And that is, of course, we know that to be the devil, and that's his purpose. And if we allow that through our thought process, allow him to take these things that are ours instead of holding on to them, and we here's a tendency that we have to do, we hold on to things that we shouldn't be holding on to. We hold on to things in the past, and we listen to people that remind us of what we did in the past and that we're never going to change and we're never going to be this, we're never going to be that. But they haven't been around you for a long time. They haven't seen that you have indeed changed and that you're walking with the Lord and that the Lord knows you and they're just trying to throw things off on you and then they blame you for something that happened that they aren't really personally knowledgeable about. And then you get wrapped up in that. But see, this is part of that white noise interference that Satan throws at you. Gets into your thought process. I've shared with you. You might think yourself to be a really smart person, but the weakest point of attack, and the devil knows this, is your mind, your brain, your thought process. He knows that that's a weak link. Einstein used to second guess himself all the time. Sir Isaac Newton used to second guess himself all the time. Jonathan Nash second guessed himself and put himself right into a... They actually declared him a clinical schizophrenia schizophrenic, 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 sorry. 
but he thought he saw things that weren't there. He started seeing things that weren't there, and he had these visions of things that were quite real to him, and people were trying to judge him, but ultimately became a professor at the very university that he taught at. The, the, his mind was absolutely brilliant. But then he got involved in these things, in his thought process, and he started to see things that weren't there, things that weren't real. They weren't real to anybody else, but they were real to him. So when you see somebody walking down the street, how do you know what's going on in their mind? People make fun of people frantically waving their hands around and turn and stopping and having a conversation with individuals that are not there that we can't see, but they see them quite readily, really there. And how do you know that they're not seeing what is on the other plane of existence? I've already told you that God protects us from that spiritual plane of existence that's around us all the time. And he does that for a reason, because it's a scary place. You have demons that are working on trying to rob our souls, our minds, and that thing that God has put into us to help us to be strong and endure. And they're trying to take that away. But he protects us from seeing that battle that's going on by the angels that walk to protect us and those demons that are trying to tear that out of us. And let me tell you, they take it and they're not kind about it. It's not a gentle picking up and walking away. You see some of these people and they are in a bad way. They cut their own flesh. They tear their own clothing. And sometimes you watch them and you see them on the street and they're in a, a very, very bottom of a hole that they just jumped into or fell into. So you can't judge them by what's going on. You can't do that. We must not do that. They have to be in prayer and guidance of the Holy Spirit because there's things out there, brother and sister, I'm telling you. But here's the thing. Paul tells us, we find this in Philippians 4. I've shared this with you. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. What that means is to, you get so wrapped up in things and you get that, your mind wrapped around that you got to do it this way. It has to be this way. Brothers and sisters, I get like that. I've shared this with you before. I was a military instructor. I was an engineer. There are many things that I did in the military. And things that happen when I got out of the military and things that go on. Well, I have these support dogs that God brought into my life. And they're, it just, he knows. <laughs> God knew, and sometimes we need things in our lives, and God knows us that we can put our hands on and be with us and be around us because that very thing we start griping about. God left, God went. No, he didn't. God doesn't ever leave, he's always there. He's always caring. He's always watching. 
is always mindful of what goes on in our lives. Always. God does not sleep, nor does he slumber. Share that with you. Back to Philippians 4. Don't get all wrapped up in anxious things. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Thanking God for everything, even, even hardships that go on because there's something that he's got going on that is a higher thought process than you are able to get to and attain and that you have no business being in anyway. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is why it's important that probably one of the most important other people check out that armor of God, and they think, okay, breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, gird about with the sword of truth, and all important aspects, but how about that helmet of salvation? How about that helmet of salvation that goes on your head so that when the devil comes and attacks those with his white noise interference and he will try to take your focus away. But remember this, that Jesus Christ came from heaven, stepped down off his throne, set down his crown, and came to this plane of existence to be tried as a man, walked this plane of existence. He walked as a man, was tempted as a man, went through all the things as a man. And many of his heavenly virtues were left behind because... He couldn't walk down here in that glory and came for a specific purpose beyond what we can know or understand. But here's what Paul reminds us too. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue. And there be any praise. Think of these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And here's the thing you have to understand. When Paul was writing this letter, he was not in a good place. I've shared this with you before. Paul, about 80% of what he wrote, he was imprisoned. He was in places not, not of a good place. And further speaking, we have and verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That takes practice. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed to 
both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened me. Paul had to learn these things. You have to understand. Paul was being paid by the Romans. He was being paid by the elder, the, the Pharisees. Those in, they, were, they were paying him because they didn't like, and again, I remind you that they weren't called Christians yet. But for clarity and understanding that Paul was hunting Christians. He was hunting the true believers and that were in the way, and that's what they were used to call it back then, the way. And they had to hide. They were in hiding because Paul was hunting them. And he was delivering them to be imprisoned because they bothered a lot of politicians. They they bothered those that thought themselves to be in charge of the temple and synagogue. Remember, they, they crucified Jesus because they thought that he wasn't good enough. And they thought that he was a liar. They thought that he was a blasphemer. They thought, they thought, they thought, they thought, but they didn't know. And they were always pulling him in front of the Sanhedrin. Have you ever noticed something? Here's, here's something in particular that I noticed. And I've also paid attention to, in this plane of existence that we're in and we walk in, is that when people are not honest and they don't have real, real true knowledge and they're not forthcoming and all that thing. You notice how they repeat things? You notice how they get repetition? Um, I bring that up because if you notice that whenever the Sanhedrin was talking to Jesus, they got repetitive with their questions. When they questioned the blind man who's at the gate, who Jesus healed, they asked him the same question numerous times. The same question. And remember when they brought his mother and father in and they said, such and such, such and such, such and such. And they said, and they asked him the same question over and over again. And it wasn't for clarity. Oh, for goodness sake, get real with that. It wasn't for clarity of anything. It was just because they were trying to drive home and get them to say something else or something different. And then, aha, we got you. But the point is that they were speaking the truth. The man was speaking the truth. Jesus always spoke the truth, so they weren't going to trip him up. And they thought themselves to be so clever. Remember when they had one of their lawyers, one of the member, and I can't remember now. I know that they called the in-between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they called them the Abedin. I'm not sure if that's just the one that was sitting in judgment between them to keep them from fighting. And isn't that something here? These were the, the hierarchy of the synagogue, the temples, the the high priests, or so they claimed to be, the, the ones that ran the show. But they were so busy fussing with them, they had to have a seat of judges between them to decide which argument was going to be heard or which one was going to be adhered to. Anyway. So they kept getting repetitious with these questions. And finally, the the man's parents said, you know what? He is a man full grown. 
he answers you himself. Yes, he was blind from birth and we have to go. They tried to get them to stay. They couldn't make them stay because there was nothing they had done wrong except have this child who was blind from birth, whom Jesus healed, and now they wanted to get proof so they kept asking the same questions over and over and over again. They kept telling them the same thing over and over and over again. Yes, I was blind from birth. Yes, the man came. Yes, he spit in the clay. Yes, he put it on my eyes. I washed it off, and now I can see. Yes, I was blind from earth. Yes, this man. And the parents walked out. Pretty much shut the Sanhedrin up because they, Pharisees couldn't figure out what to say then. I mean, you couldn't. They couldn't jump on him and hold him up. There's nothing to hold on to him for. They didn't do anything except have a child. But the important thing that Paul reminds us is that we hold on to these things. Wow. I didn't even realize I'd done this. <laughs> Holy Spirit did, though. There's a couple scriptures that the Holy Spirit just pulled me into Micah. <laughs> Micah 2 didn't even have a marker there, but he brought me here, and I have these things highlighted. Micah chapter 2. Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their bends. When the morning is light, they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. And they covet fields and take them by violence and houses and take them away. So they oppress a man and his house, even a man and his heritage. Well, that is think, 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 think on those words. Hear the words, listen to what I'm saying. These individuals have devised, what they're talking about is you lay in your bed at nighttime and you have your mind kind of spins around. I know that mine does. And, and I try to make sure that I'm focused on God and I'm before the end of the day, I, I tell you, I pray for you. Am I going out? Am I coming in? Am I coming in as soon as I lay down at bed before I go to go to sleep and I end the day? I talk to God, I pray his guidance, I pray his boldness and courage and uprightness and righteousness for you all. And I try to focus on the good things of the Lord. Make sure that I do that. But these individuals, there are individuals and woe unto them that sit and in their bed, they're thinking and devising on ways that they can get what they can get. Iniquities are not, iniquity is not a good thing. Malicious, purposeful activity that is contrary, totally contrary to the word of God and his precepts and his tenets and those things that he has told us that we must be, that is totally against what he teaches. And then I'm gonna jump over to Micah 4. Here's the other one that's highlighted, underlined, and all these 
for talk today. Oh, the Holy Spirit is uh, wonderful. And I have Micah 4.12. But they know not the thoughts of the Lord. Neither understand they his counsel. For he shall gather them as a sheaves unto the floor. You always have individuals that are trying to say, well, you know, God meant this and he did this and he said that and this is what he meant. Well, here's what I have to say about that. You either translate it and you clarify the word, but you don't have the authority to tell people what God meant when he said something. If he meant to say something a certain way, he said it the way he wanted to say it. It's written down the way he wanted to say it. The Bible is written and the books are put together the way they were because he had a plan. Now, I'm going to speak on this that I, I saw this last night early in the evening and this is absolutely despicable. And this is what you have to be careful of, brothers and sisters. You have to be guarded against this and try the spirit and all these things. This was a wicked, wicked man. And he will be judged for what he's doing. But he has the audacity to stand in the pulpit. And the church that he's supposed to be a priest, a pastor for. And declaring that the Bible is full of contradictions. And that the Bible is a book of lies and full of contradictions because nobody knew what they were doing and calling God confused, a liar, and trying to fit in with the thought process of mammon and man now and pray to God as a woman, but God doesn't have a sex, a gender. God is spirit. Yeah, the Bible talks, and predominantly because it's a cultural thing, so don't get your knickers all twisted up about it, talks him as he and him, and the Bible is written a specific way for a specific purpose. You do not change the Bible to fit your purpose and your way. There were other things about this individual and I'm not going to point anything out further. I just have to pray because the Spirit needs to take those people away and he will be judged. In the 1 Corinthians, and you go to 1 Corinthians 2, 2 and 12, and this is similar to that that we find also in, in Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We don't fear anything because he has not given that to us to be fearful. And the reason that that is mentioned is because God knows that we have fear. He knows that we get afraid of things, but we bring that to him. But if you are fearful, Full, that means that you're allowing fear to drive your actions, reactions in your daily walk. And that's not what God 
uh, intended for his creation, his children, you and me. He intended for us to believe that Jesus is his only begotten son, that he is our faithful and good, good heavenly father, Abba Yahweh, and that the Holy Spirit is with us to guide us and teach us and to clarify things for us. And this goes right in hand with that. And this is in 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. And further, I'm going to, I'm going to read a little further on that because it's important. Further in verse 13, which things also we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Well, that's because the thought process of man or mammon, they think themselves to be wiser. They think themselves to be smarter. They think their intellect is much higher. Look at what the Pharisees attempted with Jesus. They believed themselves to be so much smarter than him because he didn't have letters. He didn't have letters of credential. He didn't have uh, letters of prominence that announced him to the world. So they were better than he was because they had documentation. The only begotten Son of God who spoke nothing but truth. And further, talking about the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, and neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct them, instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Again, the mind, our mindset. The mindset of natural man is what Paul's talking about there. Mindset of man is that they know better, they're smarter, they've got all the answers. And then they try to convince others that they know what God meant to say when he said thus and thus and this and this. Just like that pervert who took and twisted the word of God from John 3.16. And that it had to be rewritten because we were teaching it wrong. Because God said one thing, but he meant something else. Wait a minute. If you read John 3.16 and you go all the way down the verses and you go down to 16 to 22 and you read it contextually, God is not condemning anyone and trying to blackmail you into believing Jesus is his only begotten son. You have a free will choice. He created us with a free will choice. You can choose to believe or you choose not to believe. That's your choice to be made.
And if you choose not to believe and not to have faith in God, then you have condemned yourself to perish, not only to die the first death, but to die the second death and perish. If you choose to believe, then you have saved, you have been saved, and you believe that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son, you pray through him to God and have faith in God and the Holy Spirit will guide you and instruct you and teach you in the ways that you should walk. That comes with faith. It's not an easy walk. I've shared this with you before. Just because you become a Christian or a true believer, not a label head or self-proclaimed, but because you become a Christian does not mean that everything is going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And Paul further speaks about one mindset. And I'm going to start in First uh, Corinthians 12, 11. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also in Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Now he's talking about the body of the church, the church body, yeah, all many. And when you start getting this attitude, you start to nurse, curse, and rehearse all this. Man, I could have had that job. Why didn't the pastor give me that job? Why didn't the pastor have me do that? I could be doing that. Knock it off because he's got you lined up for something else. Maybe that person was a little bit better at whatever it is that they have them doing. But here's the thing. You have to be resistant to that white noise interference that draws you from focusing on what your purpose on being in church is for anyway. The praise and worship God to gather together. We are meant to be a gathering people. We are meant to be there in the house of God and not to be distracted by what others are doing that you could have been doing or that you could do. Don't be distracted by that white noise. But brothers and sisters, we have to remember that God has a purpose in all things. And in 2 Corinthians, in 3, 5, 3, 4. And such trust have we through Christ to God ward. 
not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. This is what we have a tendency to do. We think that we can do this all on our own. And this is why I've talked with you before about these. You have to be cautious on these, what they call self-help gurus, if they tie to themselves that. And if they're a proclaiming Christian, and I've heard members of the church body, in particular the the church that I go to, they have suggested um, self-help gurus that claim to be Christian. And if they're continuing to claim the title of self-help counseling and self-help and self-help and self-help and claim to be a Christian, then that should be a red flare and a red flag warning. But if they declare themselves to be that thing opposite of what they what we should be, then be cautious. Pray the Spirit, try the Spirit in that. Because if they're teaching self-help, that is contrary to what the Bible teaches, that we should have we should be faith-centered, God-centered, and have Christ in the center of our walk and turn to him in all things. And these individuals are trying to proclaim that you can do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. And the only thing that improves us in our walk is the temperance of our faith. And what remember, I've shared that with you before. Temperance is what? The strengthening. And I, I got this thing and the Holy Spirit took my eyes to this and then talk to me about this thing that I got to honor my father. And right on it, there's a there's a uh, an attachment that says forged in fire. And when I look at this, I, I have to look at it different. There's a red band that goes around and not to, only to honor the firefighters, but the Holy Spirit reminded me that by his stripes am I healed. By his stripes in the blood of my Lord Jesus Christ am I cleansed. Am I redeemed? Am I saved? And by the grace of God, not by anything that I did, that I did this and did that and did thus and thus and this and this, that I deserve it? No. God did it because I am his and he loves me. And Jesus came and died for me and he was thinking about me when he came and he died. He died for my sake. And this red stripe and that forged in fire, Remember, I've shared this with you, brothers and sisters. A lot of people think that they're going through all these. And this is that white noise interference that Satan likes you to get wrapped up in. But remember this. All fine jewelry, you need to have some really nice jewelry that you have. And your wife has these nice rings and these nice things that you might have. And they have it. Where, did, where does that come from? All that jewelry, the metal and things that are poured has to be forged in fire. It has to be melted down from its original state and taken into this molten form and then it's poured into a mold. Diamonds and all these fine gems by heat and pressure. You think they just form out there and they wash up on the beach? No, heat and pressure forged in fire. Diamonds, heat and pressure. Brothers and sisters, you have to understand our faith is tempered, our strength is tempered, but it's not self-anything. 
through that that God provides and through his strength, are we able to endure and we endure and hold on and don't just throw up our hand and say, I give up, I can't do it and refuse to go anywhere with him and let go of his righteous right hand, his strong right hand, and we don't find shelter in him and we just give it up. Brother and sister, we hold on. 2 Corinthians 5. 5 5. Now he that hath wrought for us the self same thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing that with that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So when we walk in this plane of existence, we have to keep our mindset and focus on God so that we are doing the things that are acceptable to God. And in 1 Peter 2, 2, 9. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Why are we called that? I've shared this with you before. There's some translations. I'm not so sure I like that translation that I read. Just my perception. But they call us a special people. A lot of people find that readily offensive. And I didn't find it so offensive that I just didn't like it translated to that. I like being peculiar. I'm a little oddball anyway. I've shared with you I have a very, very serious case of Peter Pan syndrome. 65 years old, but I got I got this humor that I have to be cautious of because people just, they don't understand it. But anyway, we're called the peculiar people. Why is that? Because we don't follow all the rules that everybody else follows. We don't walk the same walk that everybody else walks. We walk and we march to a different drum, and that drum is the is a thumping sound and the trumpet sounded of the angels on high and that we follow that drum beat and not that of mammon. We don't follow in directions that everybody else goes and just willy-nilly and doing everything that they that they want to do and they decide is, oh, it's okay as long as you don't hurt anybody. But remember what it says in the book of Isaiah and a couple places in the Bible. It says that they will call Evil good, good evil. Light dark, dark light. And actually what they're just... And they're, the ministers are doing it now. I watched that guy and I was just absolutely appalled. Appalled that he could be standing there and declaring what he said. Well, here's the thing. I didn't... Further sharing on that. As soon as he said those things... 
and he made that declaration. And the declaration that he did and had his congregation following to that, when the church was empty, because God didn't take offense to them, he took offense it was being taught, and then it was being taught in something that was supposed to be his house. And you might have seen this in the news. That church was struck by lightning, and it burnt completely to the ground. Just saying. The declarations that this man was making were so... Uh, uh, they were pretty bad. God let him know. He said, okay, you want to talk all that? I got something for you. When y'all go home and lock up tonight, and I know that you're not there, this thing that you like to call your church and make the declaration you do and teach them so egregiously and so contrary to the word, that's going to be taken from you. And it was. It struck by lightning and burnt completely to the ground. I mean, total everything. Everything gone. So, in 2 Peter 3, Peter talks to us about a lot of these things that are, that we get by mindset. And, Second Peter three fourteen. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And then I'm going to jump down to verse sixteen. And also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest. Rest, W-R-E-S-T, which means that they're having difficulty with it, that they're unsure. This is why you have to pray the Holy Spirit. As they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. And further in verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved... Seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Peter is warning that we not be pulled away by these perverts like that one who got his church burned up. And I'm going to say it straight out. He brought that condemnation to himself. He was supposed to be a shepherd a leader and a guide in teaching the word of God. And yet he had the audacity to stand in front of his congregation and call out God for being confused and unsure and that the Bible is full of errors and mistakes and contrary and contradictions. Okay. I'm going to share something that a lot of people don't know about me. Um, 
I'm going to make it quick and get out of here because this is not about me. This is about God. But I used to be a mean, wicked, nasty drunk. When I got out of the military, there's a lot of issues going on. This is why I have my God has seen fit to have me with these two. They've been with me for a really long time and they're really great. God is great. God is good. God has me walking in a different path. But um, when I got out of the service, I used to live in the bottle. I drank specifically to get drunk. There's no other purpose. Well, actually there was, but... And I used to be a... Um, I was a, a pretty quiet drunk, could be. But then when when some of these things that came in the military and the lies and the things that I started to believe, and I would find someone that would fight with me because I believed that I needed to be punished because of these things that were said of me while I was in the military and places that I went and things that I did and things that I saw. I believed that I needed to be punished. That was in my mindset. It wasn't the truth, but I thought so. So I would find somebody really big and tough looking and it didn't work out. Let's just put it this way. I, I, the only person that ever broke my nose was me. I did it to myself. Um, and I'm, I'm saying that to say this, that we have this mindset that we get in and we have to be very cautious of where we allow ourselves to be led. I let myself be taken down that path and, and I drank and, and I've been dry and sober now, goodness gracious, 30 some, wow, long time. I mean, I don't have anything in the house at all and, and I used to collect wines and wouldn't drink wine to get drunk, but I, I don't have any of that in, in my house at all. I haven't been around it for, oh, goodness gracious, I can't even, can't even remember. But see, I drank to drunkenness. I did exactly the opposite of what we're told to do. But brothers and sisters, the point being to that is that if you allow your mind to wander to places that it doesn't belong and we allow that white noise interference to get in and mess with our mindset, our focus, to be on that which is good, that which is lovely, that which is higher, and the perception and that plane that we can be on and that level and that looking through that lens of Jesus rather than ours. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers every day going out and coming in. 